illuminating facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, welcome to the program. It is Wednesday. It's December the 6th, 2023, and so glad that you're talking to me. And you can do so directly by calling me right now at this number, 888-914-9149. That's our listener line, sponsored by, of course, the Catholic Order of Foresters Life Insurance. And you can ensure that you get yourself a line to talk to me on by calling this number right now. A couple open lines right now. Good time to get in, 888-914-9149. And you can also, of course, uh, send your questions, comments via email. The address is klcale at relevantradio.com. And you can follow me on the x.com app at kaleclark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. And you know that today is the feast day of St. Nicholas. That's right. St. Nicholas of Bari, the inspiration for Santa Claus, of course. And the real guy is far more interesting than any possible portrayals of him in fiction. One of one of which, I, I have to ask Patrick Alug this. Patrick Alug is working the phones right now. So, Patrick, if you're listening, and I'm sure you are, I hope you are, because if you're not, we're in big trouble. Uh, there was I saw a movie trailer that, that came, I think it was last year, if I'm not mistaken. And I, I didn't know what it was at first. It was kind of this sort of dark kind of take. And it was it was actually a movie about St. Nick, but it was Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson's made some interesting movies to do with aspects of the faith. I don't know if this is any faith component, really, but it was Mel Gibson as St. Nick, and it was kind of an action movie. And I think it was an action movie slash comedy. I don't know what it was called, but that was kind of an interesting take on St. Nick. St. Nick as action hero, and he was kind of buff and everything. I don't know. St. Nick as the road warrior, I guess. But the real St. Nicholas, again, is, is almost as jarring to people because there are a lot of legends surrounding him. How do we separate truth from fiction when it comes to St. Nicholas of Bari? And by the way, apparently Orthodox Christians give gifts to their kids on this day, not December the 25th. I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe maybe Paul from Youngstown, Ohio can verify that. Uh, 888-914-9149. All right, so what do we need to know about St. Nicholas? Now, one of the most famous stories about St. Nicholas is that he allegedly allegedly knocked out Arius, who, by the way, would have richly deserved such a thing. I don't advocate physical violence, except for when it comes to Arius, because he did deserve it, because he, of course, was the arch-heretic. He created, you know, really the... He's created kind of tongue-in-cheek, because he essentially said that Jesus wasn't God. He said that he was created. They had the greatest creation, but he he wasn't God. He He... He, he didn't exist from all eternity. And this, this, you guys have no idea. This almost destroyed the entire church. Now, you church history buffs know this very, very well. But at one point, over half of the bishops in the world believed this heresy. This guy was very good. He was very good at scripture. And this is why the Bible alone is, is uh, not a good idea. Because scripture can be twisted. It can be manipulated. And he would make a biblical case cherry-picking verses here and there. And it was a very convincing case for his argument that Jesus was not God. And it almost destroyed the church. And this is really one of the reasons why the Council of Nicaea was called. They fought over this, literally, apparently, at the Council of Nicaea. And it is said that St. Nicholas of Bari, who had been in prison and had been tortured for the Orthodox Catholic Christian faith, 
He was having none of this guy, and he allegedly, I don't know whether it was a Superman punch, kind of like uh, the famous hockey brawler Kevin Bieksa, who played for the Vancouver Canucks. He used to do this. He used to like literally jump off his skates and, and, and do a Superman punch on the ice. I don't know if that's what uh, he did to Arius or not, but St. Nicholas allegedly did that. Now, is it true? Is it true? Now, there were fistfights at the Council of Nicaea. There actually were. It was like... It was almost like a WWE Royal Rumble, guys jumping off the top rope, chairs were thrown, you know, that sort of thing. And because of the fact that passions were running high, the church had been brutally persecuted under emperors such as Diocletian. And of course, uh, St. Nicholas of Bari was one of those guys who was persecuted and tortured under his reign, spent about five years in prison. And there were guys at the Council of Nicaea who were literally missing their eyeballs, missing limbs. They had been... Uh, just absolutely mauled. They had been uh, just, just, just abused in every possible way for the faith, and they never gave it up. And then there were other people who were a little bit on the soft side, let's put it that way. And 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 they would die anyways. They they had suffered for the true faith. They were not going to stand for this. So there's lots of accounts of the strife that took place at the Council of Nicaea. Now, whether or not the Arius punch ever happened. Apparently, it's a, it's a bit of an ecclesiastical urban legend. And there's, there's some other facts that we need to know about the real St. Nicholas. So let's, let's dive in on this feast of Santa Claus, if you will, the real St. Nick. And uh, Michelle LaRosa, writing for The Pillar, uh, came up with a list of six things to know about the real St. Nick. And with, before we get into the six, the six actual things that we have some, some, uh, some good confidence on from a historical point of view, the uh, the punch of Arius, there's no record of it happening for more than a thousand years after the death of St. Nicholas. It's still a great story. <laughs> but uh, let, let's look at some things that we, that we have high confidence in when it comes to St. Nicholas. Number one, he became a bishop when he was quite young. There, there's no, you know, as La Rosa writes, there's no historical documents about the youth of St. Nicholas. So there's a lot of legendary tales about him, but nothing that we can pin down with any historical accuracy. But, according to tradition, he was still pretty young when he was appointed the Bishop of Myra, which is now located in present-day Turkey. This was in the 4th century. So his uncle, apparently, had also been, by the way, uh, Bishop of Myra, and kind of his nephew took over this this mantle. And St. Nicholas of Myra was very well known for his generosity and for his liberal giving. And this is part of where the the, the idea of gift-giving Santa Claus kind of comes from. There's a very uh, famous legend, and again, whether it's true or not, we don't really know for sure, was that he secretly paid the dowries of three young women who were facing, unfortunately, they were, they were going to be condemned to a life of prostitution because they were too poor to produce a dowry to actually get married. Well, he fixed that problem, and he was able to save these women, provided their dowry. So that's, uh, that's, a, that's a beautiful, I hope, I, if it's true... Um, it's 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 a beautiful beautiful uh, account from the life of Saint Nicholas, but we don't really know. It could fall under the the, uh, the one of the many legends about him, but we do know for sure that he was. This is the second thing that he was imprisoned and in all likelihood tortured for his faith. And he actually probably we have some pretty good evidence that he bore the marks uh, of that torture on his body. One of the things that St. Paul said in the New Testament was, I don't want to, he basically said, I don't want to take any guff from anybody 
because I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. He had been persecuted, he'd been beaten, he'd been stoned and left for dead, all kinds of terrible things that happened to Paul because of his faith. And he says this in his letter to the Galatians, hey, let nobody give me, give me any trouble because I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Well, St. Nicholas could say that as well. And during Diocletian, the Roman emperor, unleashed a brutal persecution against the church before it was legalized, of course, by Constantine around the time of the uh, Council of Nicaea. But he never renounced his faith, even under torture. And Constantine, actually, when he got into power, and of course the conversion of Constantine, Constantine actually got him out of prison, kind of a, I guess you could say an emperor's pardon, like a presidential pardon. And he was released. After he died, and and St. Nicholas, this is the next thing, St. Nicholas died in the year 343. This is the third fact about him. He was actually buried in Turkey, in modern-day Turkey, but that's not where his body is now. He died in 343 AD, and he was buried in the cathedral in Myra. And in fact, a, a couple centuries after that, in about 520 AD, they built a brand-new church, the Church of St. Nicholas, atop his grave. Somewhat like St. Peter's is built over the, the bones of the fishermen in Rome. You're listening to The K.O. Clark Show, 888 Oh, yeah, yeah, oh. Patrick Alec has come through. How could I forget this? I remember seeing this, and I was like, I can't even believe this is really happening. The the movie about St. Nick starring Mel Gibson is called Fat Man. Fat Man, not Batman, but Fat Man. And uh, that's, I don't know. I I don't know what to say about that. But but I remember the trailer being uh, interesting and disturbing at the same time. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys have seen that. Give me a movie, movie review. Save me the trouble. Uh, 888-914-9149. <laughs> Thanks, Patrick, for that. That's, I remember that now. Okay, so back to the real St. Nicholas here. He was uh, buried in Myra. Church was built on top of his grave. In the year 1087, so right at the beginning of the second Christian millennium, Italian sailors essentially stole his remains for a good cause. They thought it was for a good cause. They weren't just trying to be criminals or anything like that, body snatching or anything. They And they took his remains, his mortal remains, to Bari in Italy. And that's why he's known as St. Nicholas of Bari. That's where he was kind of reburied. And that's where his remains are right now in the Basilica of St. Nicholas in Bari, Italy. So why did these sailors do it? Well, the, there were Turks who were... Now, again, this is before, of course... Myra became what is now Turkey, but there were Turks who had invaded the area, and there were a bunch of Italian Catholic sailors that were kind of stationed there, kind of at the port, and they were really disturbed. They were really afraid that these Turks were going to take over the church and take take the remains, seize the remains of St. Nicholas, because they were very famous, because there was a certain miracle that was said to occur uh, with respect to his body. We'll, we'll tell you what that is in just a second. But these sailors were just terrified that the body would be either desecrated or maybe sold or, you know, who knows what. So they kind of decided to take matters into their own hands. They, they took the remains of St. Nicholas out of the church and they brought it back with them, his corpse, to Italy. And so it was reburied. And, but, even, but even when it was buried in what is now uh, Turkey in Myra, the first time he was buried, his body was said to exude this sweet-smelling liquid. And every day, even to this day, this continued on after they transferred the body to Italy. And every day, 
uh, sorry, every year on this day, on his feast day, on December the 6th, they actually retrieve some of this liquid and they'll put it in little jars and you can actually buy them. You can actually buy them. I'll tell you about that in just a second. And miraculous healings have been attributed to this liquid. And now some scientists are kind of like, eh, I don't know about this. Um, They think it's just condensation because uh, a body sort of buried underground, it's kind of dank, you know, they they think it's just kind of condensation in the coffin, but is it really? Uh, I'm going to leave that question open, okay, whether or not there's something supernatural going on here. But uh, Michelle LaRosa actually kind of looked into this and she actually said that you could, no, I, I don't know, I don't know if this is still the case, but a few years ago, for one euro, for donating one euro uh, to the Basilica of St. Nicholas in, in Bari, Italy, you could actually order a pre-filled glass vial. And it's got like a, a nice little um, sort of metal image, you know, of it's almost like a holy metal or something of St. Nicholas on the front of the bottle. And for one euro, you can get actually some of this, this miraculous liquid. I don't know whether it's still one euro or whether inflation has run wild with that. I don't know. Things are way more expensive than they used to be. But there it is. That's that's allegedly what what has happened there. And here, here's another thing, too. He actually, in real life, St. Nicholas was not portly. He was not jolly in the sense of being rotund and, and red-cheeked. And he, wasn't, he was actually pretty skinny. He was actually really skinny because they exhumed his bones. I don't know if you know this. They exhumed the bones of St. Nicholas, and they found out what his actual weight and height would have been. And scientists have even reconstructed what his face looked like. And there, there's actually, you can Google images of this on the internet, what, his actual, what the real face of St. Nicholas looked like. And yeah, they usually put it, slap a beard on him in these, in these alleged reconstructions, you know, because yeah, he has to have a beard, right? But um, in 1953, uh, in Bari, Italy, the church kind of opened up the tomb and and the reason why they did this originally is because there was water damage to the crypt of St. Nicholas that happened you know, over a thousand years, millennium so it's a long time so so they had to restore the tomb from water damage and then in 1957 when that was all done there was a professor, an, an Italian professor of anatomy named Luigi Martino and he was, he was actually the first modern researcher and so far he's the only one to do an analysis of the bones of St. Nicholas. And so he did sort of a, a whole osteo, osteological analysis and an anatomical analysis. And he published his results of his findings. He took x-rays, he took measurements. They really kind of let him have free reign with the body, the mortal remains of, of St. Nicholas, the bones. Of course, there's no flesh anymore. They're all decomposed. But he was over 70 years old. They can tell this from the bones. When he died, he was of average height, for the time, and he was about five foot uh, four inches, so he's only about five four. He wasn't dunking on anybody. Let's put it that way. Uh, he was very slender of build, which is kind of average. Uh, his face was kind of short, kind of wide, wide cheekbones, a broad forehead. His chin kind of jutted out a little bit, but you can't tell because he had a beard, of course, right? His nose was about medium width, but his nose had been broken; it had been fractured. And uh, why is that? Some people think, well, maybe Arius punched him back. We don't know that for sure. In all likelihood, what probably happened to him was he was probably beaten when he was tortured uh, in in prison. And uh, he also um, had decayed teeth. I mean, dental care care really wasn't that great back then. 
It didn't have crest white strips or anything like that. Um, arthritis of the spine and pelvis, again, you know, maybe resulting from some of his injuries. And um, really interesting that they did this analysis of the skeleton. You can find actually images of that online, too, of, um, of Professor Luigi Martino actually looking at the skull of, of the real St. Nick. How about that? It's unbelievable. So, um, anyways, all, all of this is kind of a great background to the real life of the saint. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Now, one last little fact about the real Saint Nick. He's the patron. Lots of saints are patron saints of a lot of different things. For some reason, Saint Nicholas is the patron saint of wolves. I don't know why that is. Um, you would think deer, maybe reindeer, but uh, uh, falsely accused prisoners, of course, from his time, uh, locked up uh, for his faith. He's also the patron saint of Russia. You might know this. They have a, a great devotion to, to St. Nicholas there. Venerated in the East and the West, an intercessor for sailors, maybe because of the journey of his body to Italy. I don't know. Uh, children, uh, most likely because of the young ladies he, he, he's alleged to have uh, provided the dowry for. Merchants, falsely accused prisoners, uh, brewers. Okay. Didn't know he was a brewmaster, but uh, repentant thieves, also the country of Greece as well. So there you go. So that th- those are some real historical facts about the real life St. Nicholas of Bari. Now, a lot of people use St. Nicholas as an intercessor, by the way, for their financial needs. And a lot of you guys are kind of wondering, how am I going to make Christmas work? I mean, financially speaking, you, c- you can actually ask St. Nicholas for his intercession there. So we're going to talk about how to get practical about that and some other things, many other things as well, coming up. Can't wait to share them with you. Call in, 888-914-9149. It's Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Be right back. The Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. Hey, welcome back to the program on this Feast of St. Nicholas. It's December the 6th. Did it surprise you at all when I when I shared with you guys some of the actual facts about the historical St. Nick just before the break? If, if it did, give me a call. And it kind of jump out at you, 888-914-9149. Well, as I said, a lot of people use him as an intercessor for financial matters. Uh, he, can, he can really help us when, when we're in a jam. And, and Lord knows we need resources. They're, they're tools, of course. And we have to be good stewards of these, these things as well. But I think we can really um, ask him for some help there. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But it, it kind of made me think also of something that I, that I read, once again, about uh, speaking of... Uh, Finance, uh, Charlie Munger, who passed away last week, one month shy of his 100th birthday, of course, Warren Buffett's business partner at Berkshire Hathaway, a legendary investor. Now, we need to pray for the repose of his soul because he had some tragic ideas. He was not, I don't think he was Catholic, and he certainly uh, donated to some causes that were quite troubling. But um, I don't know. I don't know where he was at with God, but we pray for for his repose. But he, he had some wisdom about finance, that's for sure. That was one area in which he was an expert. And uh, the writer Sahil Bloom in his uh, Curiosity Chronicles newsletter, 
you talked about. Now, I mentioned some of the um, interesting ideas they had on Stoicism last week um, and how that could potentially uh, dovetail with uh, Catholicism. We, we, we spent some time talking about that. But he had some other quotes from, from uh, Charlie Munger that I thought were really interesting that apply to the spiritual life. One of the things that Charlie Munger said was, the desire to get rich fast is pretty dangerous. The desire to get rich fast is pretty dangerous. You know, we probably know some people out there who had a hot stock tip. Oh, man, there's this penny stock that you should invest in. It's going to go berserk. It's going to really go to the moon. And people will sink their life savings into these things and just, you know. We've all seen these things happen, right? And, and um, some people, they just they want a, they want a shortcut. And there really are no shortcuts, Um it's it's usually slow and steady, in, and that's what they did at Berkshire Hathaway. They tried to invest in great companies at a fair price and just kind of build it over time, compound it over time. There's a, there's a lesson there for the spiritual life as well because really what we want is we want the true riches in life. We want the true riches in life, and we can ask St. Nicholas to intercede for us because, of course, the true riches are found in Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, St. Paul said, I came to preach the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. Because he, he is that treasure that, that we have. And, and we'll never really finish counting the coins, if you will. And wh- whatever we're after in terms of the, the true riches, maybe, maybe we're looking for a stronger spiritual relationship with Christ in this new year. And don't forget, we're in the new year now. Forget about the secular new year. Forget about rocking New Year's Eve with, you know, Ryan Seacrest in Times Square. Forget all that stuff. We we have to understand that the church's new year just started this past Sunday. We're in the first week of Advent, and we're in the first new year of the liturgical year. So what are your New Year's resolutions when it comes to the spiritual life? Do we want to grow in, in that? And by the way, that's going to take some time, too. Just like Munger said, the desire to get rich fast, it's pretty dangerous. You can't fast-track your way to sainthood either. You, this is our destiny. It's what we're called to. There's no shortcuts involved. It, it's a day-by-day process with Christ, living with Christ every single day, trying to get better in our prayer life, trying to, trying to be better than we were the day before in loving God in practical ways. So there, there are lots of different ways that we can do that. We need to have a plan going into this new year, but also our relationships as well. Maybe we want really, uh, you know, we want to be rich in relationships and, and and the kingdom of God is the kingdom of right relationships. It's, the, it's having a right relationship with God. I guess you could say on the vertical level, not that God is quote-unquote up there. But, but if you think about the cross, it's got the vertical beam and it's got the horizontal beam. So it's the kingdom of right relationships, having a right relationship with God on the vertical level, let's say, and the right relationship with other people on the horizontal plane. And that can be the people around us, our spouse, our our best friend, our coworkers, our neighbors, our the people that we're trying to do apostle with and evangelize. We've got to have the, we've got to have right relationships with God and with one another. That's that's the true riches of the kingdom. What about in terms of our physical health? That that's another area where hey, that's the true the true wealth, right? Um, they always say that uh, you know a, a healthy person wants. A million different things, but a sick person only wants one thing. They only want to get better. And 
I don't care how much you have in, in, in the way of material resources, the greatest resource that you have, number one, is time. And we don't know how much of it we've got left. I think of my, my priest friend, uh, Father Fatty, I told you about him last week, who just dropped dead at the age of 51 uh, of a massive heart attack. And he was in the prime of life. He had just been ordained a priest two years ago. He was just getting going, or so it seemed. But his time was last week, and no one saw this coming. No one saw this coming. You just don't know. Uh, so time is obviously the greatest resource. We've got to use this wisely. It's a treasure. We've got to prove good stewards, but also of our, of our, of our, the human bodies that God has entrusted us with. And tomorrow on the Faith Explained show, I'm going to be answering during the Q&A mailbag segment. Somebody asked me a question about reincarnation. Why can't Catholics believe in this? Well, we only have one, one body. I mean, there's a resurrection of the body. That's part of the answer. There's, there's no do-overs in, in life. This is it. So if we're going to be there for our loved ones, if we're going to be better instruments for there for our families and, 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 and serving God better, stronger, you know, more in our lives, we've really got to, got to look at our physical health as well. Our mental health as well is a, is a big piece of the puzzle as well. Not to mention looking after the financial resources that God has entrusted us with, whether big or small, it doesn't matter. He's going to judge us on our faithfulness, on our stewardship. And so St. Nicholas can help us with that too, in particular. Here's one more quote. I have to share this as well uh, from, uh, from Charlie Munger. He, he said this. He said the first rule, he's talking about just knowledge in general. The first rule is that you can't really know anything if you just remember isolated facts and try to bang them back. Hey, we all know people who... For that, remember the board game Trivial Pursuit? Remember how like popular that was in the 1980s? For some people, Trivial Pursuit wasn't just a game, it was a lifestyle. I mean, there are people who can just remember arcane facts. And yeah, I'm guilty as charged too. You know, when I was a kid, I could just rattle off baseball stats and, and batting averages and, and legendary statistics. Okay, but are they, are they really valuable? They're great arcane knowledge, but... But it, and this is true in a lot of different areas of life. We, it's not enough to just remember the facts. Uh, Munger said, if the facts don't hang together on a latticework of theory, you don't have them in a usable form. You may have noticed students who just try to remember things and pound back what's remembered. Well, they fail in school and they fail in life because you've got to hang experience on a latticework of models in your head. So there's basically two types of people. And this is how um, Sahil Bloom calls it. There's people who know how to talk about the thing, and then there's people who know the thing. People who talk about the thing and people who know the thing. There's a huge difference there. So we, we all know many, many people who talk a good game in different areas of life. And you might go to a party. There's going to be lots of Christmas parties coming up. You go to a party. You're at a social event. You're networking or whatever the case might be. And we all know people that can that can talk about a lot of different things that are going on, and they they it's kind of they, they'll give you the headlines if you will if you're kind of browsing the headline news they'll, they'll kind of seem to know about things, but if you ask them a couple questions if you try to drill down on another level, it becomes apparent that they actually don't know too much about anything, and uh, the knowledge is only surface deep, it's only like a puddle, and so that's that's an example of knowing how to talk about the thing but not knowing the thing. But the second kind of people, people who actually know the thing, very rarely are they the loudest people in the room, 
because they're they're too busy trying to get deeper, and they're too busy acting on the truths that they have, the deep truths that they know. So when it comes to our Catholic faith, we've got to be like that second group of people, not just talk about the thing, but to actually know the thing. And for us, it's not knowing the thing, it's knowing a person, it's knowing Jesus. And this is exactly what, this is exactly what the disciples did. And somebody asked me a question about this recently. That um, you know, how do you how do you kind of explain the faith in an elevator pitch? We have to do that sometimes, and and, and the disciples, like when you when you read the Gospels, um, there are little differences between Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and people get their knickers in a knot about this and say, well, why did Jesus say it like this in one place and like that in another Gospel? And maybe they messed it up. Maybe we can't trust these documents. Maybe we can't trust the apostles. No, they listen. If they were if they were parroting back the teachings of Jesus verbatim, like, like Polly want a cracker and they could just do, 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 do everything Jesus said exactly to the letter, same punctuation, everything, they'd actually be considered bad students of Jesus. Jesus would have failed them as rabbis, you know, because rabbi Jesus, that's not how they taught back then. You didn't do that. You didn't, you didn't just simply memorize your teacher's instruction. If you really knew what you were doing, if you really understood your teacher's message, you'd be able to take the essence of it and apply it to different areas of your life and in different situations and with different people. You could expand and contract. If you only have five minutes with a guy, you can, you can, you can, you can kind of concentrate it. It's like concentrated orange juice, you know, or something like that. It's, it's in a small container. You, you give him a powerful punch in a small container or a Tide Pod or something like that. But if you have more time, you can expand it. You can, you can wax eloquent for a while and you can dive deeper. And so this, this is the, the essence of a disciple that truly understands the message of the teacher. So this is this is what um, what Munger was talking about. When you you've got to have actionable theory, you've got to be able to use the teaching, and and that's exactly what the disciples did. That's exactly what the disciples did, and that's that's what they did when they wrote the gospels too. They got the gist of Jesus's teaching. Think about it. Um, the gospels say that Jesus kept the crowd spellbound for hours. Uh, Sermon on the Mount, for example. People were with him for so long, they're hungry, they're thirsty, they've been with him for, for days. Oh, where are we going to find food for these people to eat? They've been here forever. But you can read all of his speeches in just a few minutes. So they're obviously compressing stuff, right? So, But, but it, is, it is truly the teaching of Jesus. It's, it's the difference between um, what scholars call the ipsissima verba, that's a fancy Latin term, the ipsissima verba means the actual words of Jesus, and the ipsissima vox, which means the actual voice of Jesus. That's what we've really got when it comes to the Gospels. You might have seen these red-letter Bibles. I don't know if you've ever seen these with the words of Jesus in red type. Um, that doesn't mean that that's the actual words that came out of his mouth, but it is the actual voice of Jesus. It is his actual teaching. It's real. It's absolutely legit. So I understand that that's what it is. And the reason they were able to do that is because they didn't just know the thing. They knew the person. They didn't just know about Jesus, they actually knew Jesus. And so we, we have to do that. The, the only way you could do this is if you actually have a relationship with him. That's the whole WWJD bracelets that everybody used to wear. What would Jesus do? If, you have to be able to apply his teaching to, to different situations in your life. And that's only possible if you know his teaching and if you have a, an ongoing relationship with him in prayer and through the sacraments so that you can actually apply his teaching in different areas of, of your life. So, 
I really like that. That's 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 really important. So one last little little thing too. I can't resist this. Um, avoid the ostrich effect. This is another interesting thing that that Munger said. He said, "Quote: I think that one should recognize reality even when one doesn't like it. Indeed, especially when one doesn't like it." End of quote. So of course, an ostrich is going to bury its head in the sand to avoid, you know, trying to hide. Really, that's why they do it from predators. But people metaphorically bury their heads in the sand for a lot of different reasons. And one of them is they don't want to, they don't, some people don't really want to know the truth. And this is especially true in the area of religion. And and the reason why is very simple. People get very passionate when you talk about religion, uh, when you talk about aspects of religion. And, and um, the reason is because this has to do with your worldview, how you see the world, how you see reality, how you see yourself, your destiny, And if you are able to show someone that their worldview is not true or rests on a falsehood, then that, that is, that shatters their whole universe. It's like, it's like a death. It's like a death. It's, 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 it's too harsh for people to comprehend that everything they believed in for all these years might not be true. I've staked my life on this. So, a lot of people don't want to don't want to deal with it. That's why they won't engage with you when you're talking about the Catholic faith because they don't really want to know. They don't really want to know because they're afraid it might actually be true. But if you're really looking for God, though, I had a conversation with it with a with a non-Catholic friend about this last night. You know, people who have no access to the gospel. Let's say they're living in a closed Muslim country. Christian missionaries are not allowed. What happens to them? Well, if they're really looking for God, God knows their hearts. God knows they would have responded to the gospel if somebody had actually preached it to them. Because if you're really looking for God, if you've got this disposition of looking for the truth, when you when you get a little bit more truth, you love it. and you, 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 You're drawn to it like a moth to the flame. You want more. And you should be rejoicing every time you get a little bit more truth. Not running away from it because it's going to shatter. I mean, face reality. I mean, reality is reality. You can't live in the dream world. And, and so that's, that's a really, really important thing when it comes to the faith. All right, that, that's enough of a homily for now, I think. So let's take a quick break. But uh, call in, call in. I wonder what you think. 888 We'll be right back on The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. So you can explain it to others. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Hey, welcome back to the program. 888-914-9149 is the toll-free line. Blister line, of course, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. You can call in and talk to me for free. 888-914-9149. I want to remind you also, if you go to the Relevant Radio website, the Relevant Radio app, there's a brand new Eucharistic encounter video by Father Rocky. He talks about Mother Teresa. It's a great story. You're going to want to check out and sign up for the email delivery of these videos, relevantradio.com slash encounter. While you're at it, don't forget to sign up for relevantradio.com slash carols. Our Christmas carol series is out there. Adventwithscrooge.com, the Merry Beggars. Great, especially for the little ones in your family or that you might know. Uh, I know my daughter's really enjoying the stuff from the Merry Beggars, the Saint series, of course, A Christmas Carol. It's always classic at this time of year, and they brought it back just for you. So go to the website, go to the app, and you'll find more info about all of these things, and you can check them out. Well, <laughs> I, I, can't, I, can't, I know a guy who's a, who's a financial planner, 
and it's interesting. Uh, he, he's a he's a fee only financial planner. It's, I I uh, actually did. Uh, I had a little meeting with him a few years ago. He gave me some advice on something because he, he's not like sort of beholden to any of these uh, sp- products or firms or anything that kind of pay people to sell them. He just gives advice, and um, it's more straight up. But anyways, his name's uh, Jason Heath, and he was interviewed for this uh, article about Santa's financial plan. I thought it was kind of interesting because. Of course, St. Nicholas of Bari, today's saint, uh, people ask him for help with financial matters. And um, you could say, hey, the price of toys are through the roof. The stock market's been a little volatile, to say the least. you got to pay the elves. You might need a new stable for your reindeer. Maybe Mrs. Claus wants a new kitchen with state-of-the-art appliances. Maybe marble countertops. I don't know. How are you going to afford all this stuff? How are you going to make a plan? Well, You've got a budget, and I know Preston Alex, and and Preston would have loved to have been here uh, today talking about this. He's our chief financial officer at Relevant Radio, and he's always hammering home the need for a budget. So you've got to do that. And think about even St. Nick would need a budget. You know, Mrs. Claus and he need to keep the household running. They've got to look at discretionary spending to make sure that they can meet their targets. Maybe they they want to give to... Uh, great charities like their local parish, give to the work of the Lord, give to Relevant Radio. Got to have that in the budget. Got to have some savings in the budget. And hey, it, it's a good time to do this. Again, this is it's a, it's the new year, right? It, we're, I know we're, we're leading up to Christmas, but we're, we are in Advent now in a new liturgical year. So this is a great time. It's the most wonderful time of the year to set some goals, not only for your spiritual life, for your health, like we talked about before the break, but also for your financial life as well. And think about Santa. I guess you could say that Santa's in in a seasonal business, as it were. He's got to buy supplies. He's got to pay the elves. And if he doesn't plan ahead, he could be caught off guard. There's a bit of a routine, um, but hey, you've got to quantify, set your goals. Maybe Rudolph needs a new set of hooves. I don't know. I don't know. Needs a warmer shed to hang out in. So delay immediate gratification. Get even more uh, by planning ahead and making making a plan. I think I think that's really really important. And maybe you don't need some of the the, the frivolous stuff. And we we can all kind of get caught in overspending on various things by just not keeping track of it. Like, do we really need that that fourth tier cable package? Are we really watching all these programs? Do we even have time? Maybe you could just uh, subscribe to one video service instead, and maybe that would do the trick. Maybe instead of an expensive gym membership, maybe you could just kind of work out at home with with your own gear. Maybe that would be more cost-effective. I don't know. But uh, there are lots of things that we can do. But have have an emergency fund. Have an emergency fund. That's really crucial, I think. And a lot of people don't have this. Um, Hey, when Grandma gets run over by a reindeer, that's an emergency, and you need to have a fund. You've got to have a plan. Hey, some people are in the gig economy, right? Some of you listening right now, you're kind of in between gigs. You're working different gigs. Santa's kind of in the gig economy too. Like December's kind of kind of it for him. And then well, he's got the rest of the year to worry about. So that, that makes it even more important to have a bit of an emergency fund if maybe work isn't so plentiful at different times of the year. But um, invest. That's really, really important. We've got to invest in eternity, of course. That's the most important thing. But also kind of plan for, for the future in terms, of, in terms of retirement. I guess you could say, and my, my friend Jason Heath said, look, 
Santa's got a busy Christmas schedule, and it's a bit of a metaphor for financial planning. If he does the right things the other 11 months of the year, December can go smoothly. Well, what about the December of our lives? And that's kind of retirement, if you will. And if we plan things in advance, that sort of last season of our life uh, can can go smoothly for us and for other people. So, um, you know, it's kind of a shocking fact, too. We don't We don't think about this as often as we should. A lot of people who retire these days... Because people are living longer, which is, I think, a, a good thing. You know, science, medicine has advanced. Most people, I don't know about most people, but a lot of people might spend 30 years retired or even 40 years retired, maybe more years than they were working in some cases. So will the money run out? I think, I think people need to really think about that in terms, of, in terms of their planning. So we just, again, we have to be responsible with the resources that God has entrusted us with. All right. Well, let's uh, hear from you guys. Once again, the phone number to call is 888-914-9149. Let's go to Brian in California. Hi, Brian. Hey, Kale. Thanks again, man. You're, uh, you're speaking today is on fire and just commenting on what you had said a minute sure. ago about how looking at truth shatters our reality, sir. And um, throughout my uh, last marriage, my ex-wife had an affair but didn't want to go oh. to counseling to look at that. I just want to flip the script on me, sir. And when I had gone to counseling, I had saw that me not covering her like Ephesians 5.25 and, and me selling cannabis. Um, mm. When I had accepted that truth, that shattered my reality, and I had realized how much I really did drop the ball. So just praise God for his truth, man. Hey, Brian, th- thank you so much for, for calling in and for sharing that and for, for your kind words about the program as well. And yeah, that that's wow. That's a super super tough thing uh, that you that you went through, and and you obviously faced up to your your own reality, and 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 looked at some things in the face that maybe you didn't like about yourself at the time, and 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 others don't want to do that, and and uh, I, I'm so sorry to hear about um, what, what what happened there with your ex wife having that had that affair, and it sounds like she she would not repent by the by the sounds of it, and and. Brian, am I right in saying that, that you you tried to save the marriage and you tried to do what you could? Yeah, absolutely, Kale. But also taking responsibility for the failure of the marriage, uh, uh, kind of like right. Adam was responsible in the garden, even mm-hmm. though sin had uh, Eve had sinned first. Correct. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it, it's it's interesting because people theologians talk about that. How did how did the enemy get into the garden in the first place? Because. Um, his job, Adam's job, was literally to till and to keep the garden, and part of that was to defend it from any outside adversaries or you know, critters that might get in. In this case, uh, the devil, the Nahash, as he is called in Genesis, uh, which is not the garden variety garden snake. It could be referred to, referring to a great dragon, so it might have been pretty intimidating. And So this idea of Adam allowed this to happen, his wife is being intimidated by this creature, how was he sleeping on the job? Was he not doing his duty? I don't know. I mean, it's, but the other side of the coin though, too, is that people do have free will and they're making choices too. So, um, you it is easy sometimes to, to blame ourselves for the choices that other people make. And, and maybe, I don't know. I mean, this is a matter of examination of conscience before God and, and thinking about, you know, did I, did I not do enough? I mean, that's, you can also, really punish yourself. I think in terms of the past, you've got to leave it to God's mercy. And, but understand that people do make choices too. They have free will and, um, and that can, 
maybe, I don't know, ease the pain of saying it's all my fault. Um, because I don't think that's the case either. Just Brian, I, I really don't think so. Sure. But you know, Hebrews 12, six, sir, right. He disciplines those he loves and throughout these fiery times, right. Praise God that we get to push our roots of faith down, right. Mm, Kale, mm. instead of being on easy street, man. So, <laughs> yeah, no, that that's, that's, that's right. The, the, um, life is a it's it's often said that in the wilderness of life you either wither up or you grow up and and there are there are definitely challenges and you said pushing your roots deep that that's really important and all of us are going to face challenges in life of various kinds and and uh you have to think that you know and this is again back to back to munger that he had a, he had a bad reversal in his life too in which his son died at the age of nine had a rare form of cancer uh, he bankrupted himself paying for his medical bills and then his son died and then his wife left him as well. And he really hit rock bottom. And he always talked about the importance of, and again, like this guy had some beliefs that were like just flat out wrong about different things. But, but this idea of you, you have to re how you react to things is so much more important than what happens to you almost even because it's, there's an old, there's an old parable about the two arrows in which, you know, it's one thing to get hit by an arrow. You can't control that, but you don't want to get hit by the second arrow. You don't. You don't want to. Uh, don't want to wallow. You don't want to. You, you got to figure out the next step and what you can learn from the situation. And and this is where really God God can help us and and our faith can help us a lot. So in these very very tough tough um, things that can happen to us, and and some of which is in our control, some of it which isn't in our control. But again, the most important thing is to to learn the lesson and to seek the mercy of God and, and to and to move on and and to keep rising and becoming better. I think that's 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 the key. We're always trying to do that every single day. Hey, Brian, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for calling in, man. God bless you and have a happy and holy Advent. Let's go to Carlo in Mount Prospect, Illinois. Hi, Carlo. Hi, Kale. <clears throat> I've been uh, sitting here having dinner. Oh, with you, but uh, I've been doing oh, all right. the eating, and you've been doing all the talking. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's great. <laughs> Thank you for your thoughts and sharing those interesting things that Munger had said. It brought to mind um, what you were talking about, wealth uh, quickly won. There was um, <clears throat> a quote from Proverbs that I had heard during mm. a class. It was Proverbs thirteen eleven: Wealth won quickly dwindles away, but gathered little by little it grows. Hmm. <clears throat> yeah, that that's that's an interesting proverb. I love the book of Proverbs. It, it's so it's so. And hey, hey listen, I'm I'm happy to be your dinner companion wherever you may be. And uh, Carlo, so glad to be spending the time with you. Thank you for choosing to spend the time with us on Relevant Radio. You could be listening to a million different things right now, doing a million different things. And uh, I never take for granted uh, you guys listening to the program. And I appreciate each and every one of you. And yeah, it, it's very true that this idea that. Wealth won quickly, you know, dwindles away. And think about people who, I, I think about a documentary I saw. It was one of the 30 for 30 series on ESPN. It was called Broke. It was about athletes who just, you know, kind of come from tough backgrounds sometimes. And they don't know how to deal with this stuff. And then they get millions of dollars dropped in their laps. Uh, they sign a pro contract. And then all of a sudden, there are all these hangers-on and so-called friends and temptations and things that... If you're not if you're not getting the right advice from the right people, it can all be squandered away. And tragically, that has happened uh, to many of them. And 
not just in that field in many fields as well and so that's it i think i think and slow growth is is the way of the spiritual life right um it, it doesn't usually spring up overnight into a, into a gigantic fruitful tree you know it takes time it takes time and so don't give up on yourself god never gives up on you he always takes the long view hey thanks for joining me on this hour of the Kale Clark Show. I hope you'll stick it with uh, Relevant Radio for the rest of the evening. Father Tim Grumbach is going to be joining uh, Trending with Timory in this next hour. That'll be a good conversation, plus the Family Rosary Across America with Father Rocky is coming up after that. This is the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, don't forget about the Faith Explained, 1230 Central tomorrow as well. Hey, Jim Shaper produced today. Thank you, Jim. Patrick Alog took your phone calls. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.